It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. Here we go. Welcome to the show. I'm Adam Ritz. Jay Baker with me. Jay, have you ever heard of a silent disco? You know, I've heard the phrase, but I know nothing about it. It's one of those things uh, where someone, you know, brings up um, a brand new type of car that you've never heard of. And then when you hear of the car, you see it everywhere on your next drive home. Interesting. So I heard about the silent disco. And honestly, within the next week, I heard about it in five other areas of conversation with with friends and family the silent disco is something it's pretty cool it's imagine um it's a new type of party okay where you go into a uh, a lot of nightclubs do this too you go into a nightclub and every single person in the nightclub has a set of uh beats style headphones on you know noise canceling high resolution enormously powerful headphones on their head and they're all listening to the same music okay. on the dance floor. They're and they're singing. They're lit, they're they're screaming the words. They're dancing because they're on the dance floor listening to this music at a volume of ten, possibly eleven. Right. And then let's say you want to go up to the bar and get a an ice cold drink. Then you go up and you can take your headphones off and you can have a normal conversation with the bartender or server and just say, hey, I'd like a, an ice cold uh, glass of ice water, please. And you don't have to scream. And then you can turn to the person next to you and have a conversation because the same way we are, in a, you're in a silent room. You're in a silent disco. So that's what uh, a silent disco is, if you haven't heard of this concept yet. A lot of, uh, like I said, nightclubs, a lot of bars, a lot of uh, college campuses host this thing. It's, it's a, you know, the young kids like it. Um, we are sort of indirectly involved with a silent disco for charity. These are wow. really fun events to host for for a charity event. And I guess, first of all, I should say thank you and a tip of our hat to Vibonomics. They are our, I guess, underwriter, uh, sponsor of the show. We're coming to you from the Vibonomics studios. They are uh, an audio software, uh, audio solutions company, providing audio experience to brick-and-mortar buildings across America. And we are sort of involved with the silent disco presented by Vibonomics and the Braden executives to assist, or I should say to benefit, the Fisher's Youth Assistance Program. So if you ever have a chance to do a charity event with a silent disco, we highly recommend it. Um, We will have a follow-up report on how our silent disco um, goes, both from a perspective of how much fun it was, um, funny, crazy stories that happened within the silent disco, and again, how much money was raised for the Fishers um, Youth Assistance Program. Now, if you're not familiar with a youth assistance program, there uh, most communities across America have a youth assistance program. These are set up to help uh, kids in the area, in the community that are usually on, let's say, a lunch program at school that, that can't possibly uh, afford a, a healthy lunch every day. Um, this money that's being raised with this silent disco is going to go directly to feed the, the needed children in the Fisher's Assistance uh, Youth Program for their summer lunch program 
during the uh, the course of the next few months. Last year, this same uh, benefit, it wasn't a silent disco, but it was a charity. Last year's charity event went to uh, feed uh, about 400 kids. Oh, that's um, impressive. Actually, I had that wrong. Last year, the goal was to feed 400 kids with the Youth Assistance Program. And we ended up having such a successful um, charity event that it provided meals for 700 kids. That's impressive. 700 kids. So, again, you know, we like to touch on charity and foundation work. Uh, They are only as successful as the community that gets involved. So we want to thank everybody that got involved last year. We're hoping to get even more this year. Wherever you're listening, if you have a chance to help out in a community event, both with time or treasure – do so because if if a charity or a foundation can meet or exceed their goals, that is only that much better for the for more kids and or people that need your help. Absolutely, and many of these events, as you said, are an absolute blast. So you're having fun. You're doing something that gives you great joy, but you're also giving great joy by being there and donating. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, that that you're having fun, because this is actually going to be a a pretty fun date night or a night out. It's on Friday, June 7th at the Braden Building. Uh, Tickets are available. You know what? We'll put a link on uh, the website, adamritzshow.com, on how you can buy a ticket to this event. It's only $40. That includes your entertainment, the silent disco, food, and beverage. And we want to thank all of our uh, providers that are that are donating their food and beverage to make this event possible too, and the Braden Building is absolutely gorgeous. Just seeing the building alone it would be worth the price, you and, know. And you know, it's also being called Vibe Fest because it's not just the silent disco. On the fourth level of this building, there's a terrace that overlooks an amphitheater, and this is the I think the first concert in the amphitheater's summer concert series. There's a Journey tribute band that's going to be playing. Are you kidding me? Don't stop believing with a Journey <laughs> tribute band uh, on that stage that you'll be able to hear and watch from the terrace, uh, and then go down to the second level, take part in the silent disco. I mean, it's going to be a pretty fun night. Uh, we encourage anybody listening in the Midwest to check out this event. We'll have the link for the Vibonomics, Braden, Vibe Fest, Silent Disco, with a Journey tribute band on Friday night, June 7th, we'll have that link on our website, adamritzshow.com. And we thank uh, all of our friends at the Braden Building and all of our friends at Vibonomics for helping out with this event and helping the Fishers Youth Assistance Program. And Donna Summer thanks you because this is extending her career. <laughs> because of the disco, of because course. Because of the disco, If yes. someone's thinking, wait a minute, was Donna Summer in Journey? Which, what, did she used to date Steve Perry? Or uh, does no. she like to help kids? I mean, we're, we're confusing you, yes. But, you know, we uh, actually, uh, it's funny you brought up Donna Summer. We are helping this event program the music that you're going to hear through the silent disco. Right. And at this one, just to give, I guess, our listeners uh, more information on, on a silent disco and how it functions in a nightclub for the for the young people, for the people that want to go party, they're listening to usually a live DJ that's on the stage. Oh. He's spinning the wheels of steel and doing and playing the the crazy music for these kids to jump around to. And it's all being sort of quote unquote broadcasted to each individual's headphones. That's right. what so you're listening to the DJ that's on the stage through your silent disco headphones. What this event's going to have is, um, I believe, three channels that you can flip back and forth on your headphones, so you can actually go listen to a disco channel and possibly hear 
Donna Summer. Then there's going to be another sort of classic rock, 80s rock, 80s pop MTV channel where you could possibly hear Journey. Um, or Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. Right. Or Jody Watley. Uh, if I know you used to oh, do yes. CHR radio, you remember Jody Watley. Sure. What was the song? I can't think of the song. I, I'm so proud of myself. I thought of Jody Watley, uh, and, and there's someone driving their car right now, going screaming the name of the song at the radio right now. Uh, and then I think the the third channel we're going to have is some sort of a hip hop uh, R and B channel. Channel. So you'll have some variety to flip I'm back impressed. and forth. I'm I'm anxious to see how it all plays out. I want. Uh, I'll be at the event, and and I hope you will too, Jay. I, I want to. My goal is to sing along. With a song through my silent disco headphones, right? So loud and terrible because I'm a terrible singer. I want to sing so loud and terrible that somebody just walking through the building that's going from point A to point B, maybe to get a piece of pizza or, or a cocktail, I want them to look over like someone's dying. <laughs> what what your goal should be? Someone calls animal control because yeah. it sounds like something's trapped on the second floor. Yes. Possibly a wombat. We're not sure. And part of my goal is that if I'm doing that, then there's a 90% chance that person's going to walk over and get some headphones to drown me out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait to see it. We love the fun stories of charity and uh, foundation events that uh, are, as Jay said, a fun evening out that also end up raising money and awareness for a worthy cause. So if you have any of those that you'd like us to talk about anywhere in America, you can uh, email me through the website adamritzshow.com and let us know about it. We're uh, doing a show today, Adam, about travel safety. As you probably know, uh, thankfully, the economy has recovered for a number of people. Some people are planning on taking some adventuresome trips, and certainly summer is a time where you stop to think, hey, maybe we should go someplace. There's enough travel deals out there that people are traveling overseas. And as you might imagine, traveling overseas or or traveling to an island, a little bit different story than, you know, you go visit your Aunt Martha in Ohio. So there's some things to be thinking about. You know, if you follow the news and see some of the tragedy that's out there, It uh, and I'll speak from my personal experience, it makes you decide on, um, on your vacation routes a little differently. It um, absolutely does. There were some uh, vacation spots I was maybe looking at, and then all of a sudden you hear a story about an American tourist that was kidnapped or murdered, and it's like, okay, maybe I won't go there. Well, these, and these that, are important things to think about. They are important things to think about. And exactly like Adam said, uh, many parts of Mexico are as safe as going to Ohio. But there are other sections of Mexico where crime is an extremely large problem, certainly because of the drug trade. But there are also people that are looking to take advantage of tourists. And you and I know that the more um, spectacular versions are what make the evening news. Of interest is the fact that there are certain countries where, believe it or not, travel scams are sort of built into the fabric of that nation. It's people that would maybe be panhandling but have come up with these intricate – and they call them travel scams. Have you heard about these? Uh, not No, I can't wait to hear what your examples are because I, I, when you say travel scam, I'm thinking, okay, is it as simple as you, you land at the airport in – country X and somebody approaches you and says, hey, I've got uh, a taxi cab parked out front. Just let me take your suitcases. It's it's prepay, 20 bucks, and I'll take you anywhere on the island. And you give them 20 bucks in your suitcase and you never see them again. Next thing you know, everything's gone. 
ironically that you brought that up because there is the country of Costa Rica, which people visit all the time. The broken taxi meter is a common scam. That is one country that has strict regulations on taxis. They say never get into a taxi that doesn't have a working meter. So what happens is <laughs> there's some guy in Costa Rica, Mr. Ritz, so good to see you. Oh, my meter is broken. $20, we go anywhere. You know, you lose your luggage or you get dropped off on the side of the island you've never seen before. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's something that you really need to be careful of. And you're absolutely right. You always think, okay, I'm going to see this scam coming. And when I did some research on this, I was just amazed. (laughs) Believe it or not, the worst of the travel scams tend to emanate from France. There's something about uh, French culture, uh, most most of the times because people are just so uh, amazed when they're in France. You know, it's all the architecture and all the art and all this. And, oh, Mm -hmm. this must be, you know, I'm going to just meet a wonderful Frenchman wearing a beret, sitting in a cafe, sipping a cup of cafe au lait. You know, I can't Mm -hmm. wait. But of interest is (laughs) there's so many scams that emulate from France. So I don't want to pick on France if you're driving down the road and you have a lot of French relatives. We're not picking on France, but there's something about travel scams. And this show is downloadable. So if you're listening in France right now, we apologize. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Or as we would say, if this were happening in our country, we do try to kind of police this just a little bit. And it, it is difficult because you have a lot of people on the streets. But the two main things in France, and when I heard about both of these, I thought, pretty interesting. And you could clearly see, uh, especially someone that was on a vacation, one of them is the gold ring scam. This happens a lot in the greater Paris area. And what happens is all of a sudden you'll brush up against somebody elbow to elbow and they'll look down and say, hey, is that your gold ring? Well, of course it's not your gold ring, but the person that points it out to you now says, hey, we kind of both saw this at the same time. I'll sell it to you. And there have been people that have bought, paid $50, $60, $70. As you probably imagine what the real value of the ring is, probably about $2 because it's been gaffed, as we like to say in the music and in, in rock and roll world, it's been gaffed to look like a real gold ring. It has the weight and the finish, but there's probably about $2 worth of workmanship. Now, I, I'm hoping that no one listening to this show is using this as a how-to on <laughs> on their next uh, weekend endeavor on how to make a quick 50 or 60 bucks. I think the good I, news is-, is I've never heard that scam. Well, The gold ring scam. Yeah, and it's just something that preys into the fact that it, it seems common, seems simple. The person yeah. seems friendly enough. We both saw it at the same time. It's probably worth at least two or 300 bucks. Just give me 50 or 60 and you can right. have it. And people, well-meaning people are thinking, hey, I just found a $200 gold ring in Paris. I'll be darned. It's just laying there on the ground. You know, I have a, a rule uh, and Melissa makes fun of me for this. If I see a coin on the ground, I will not pick it up. I will not. And I just have a personal fear that the coin is connected to um, 
fish wa- fishing line sure. and that somebody is going to start reeling it in and I'm on video and I'm going to be the next viral video of some middle-aged guy tripping over a dime in the street <laughs> and or somebody was holding the the dime or the quarter with tweezers and they had a lighter and they were lighting the coin getting it super hot then they throw it in the street and they're going to video me and laugh their butts off when I pick up this coin and it burns my fingers so I've just made it a rule that's just two examples of what the the scam or the joke or the viral joke could be, I just made up my mind, I will never pick up a dime or a quarter if I see it in the street. I just won't. It's very interesting because you're right very commonly throughout our lives. You know, when you were a young kid, you if you spotted a quarter in the street, you thought, hey, it's payday. Yeah. So you're absolutely correct. And I will tell you, the end of that story is I, I walk my neighborhood. There's a, a, a three-quarter of a mile lap in my neighborhood that I go walk. Uh, I know how far I go when I want when I want to go three you know three miles. I walk four laps. There is a dime at the corner of Trace and Nashua that has been there for seven years because I pass it every day and I'm not picking it up. <laughs> you cannot fool me. Now, hopefully, Adam, you never did this, but when we were kids, when the second crazy glue came into the world, uh, we crazy glued a number of nickels. Uh, to the sidewalk, thinking like, boy, really? is this a hilarious stunt. If only you you had a, a, a smartphone that could shoot it on video and <laughs> upload it to the internet. If only I'd been the first. But yes, the nickel actually, you know, glued to the sidewalk. We thought that was great comedy. Of course, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, we were perhaps easy, more easily amused in that era. Again, this is not a how-to show. These are these are warnings that we're trying right. to give you, not how to spend your weekend. <laughs> but just be hyper aware. If you go somewhere, something that is too good to be true is perhaps too good to be true. The other quick uh, one that we wanted to bring about, uh, bring attention to, and this is another one in France. You'll be asked to sign, and this is usually worked. With, there was like two or three young people, so you know they're engaging. You're thinking, oh, well, that's hey, that's great. These Paris teenagers, and they want, and they'll ask you to sign. A petition, and it's oftentimes for something that's tremendously good. Hey, we'd like to stop international whale hunting, or we'd like to help the environment, or whatever. Would you please sign this petition? You have to be a tiny bit careful. You're signing the petition, you're distracted now. You're thinking of the clipboard and the pen. You're not thinking in terms of your wallet or your purse or things of that nature. A number of people have walked away from that felt for their wallet a half hour later and realized, oh, I didn't just sign a petition. I just lost a lot of very important documents, and now I Mm -hmm. am in France. Have you done this? Uh, I do it every time I'm in a a city square that's uh, overpopulated. Take your wallet from your back pocket and put it in your front pocket. Yes. I I learned that trick early on when I was younger uh, on a trip to New Orleans. And someone suggested I do it. They're like, New Orleans is the pickpocket capital of the world, and it's much more difficult for someone to pick your pocket if you have your wallet in your front pocket as opposed to your back pocket. Absolutely great advice, and that's another example. When you're in a crowd, like you oftentimes are in New Orleans, because you're walking down Bourbon Street, and you're in close proximity to a lot of people, someone can jostle you without raising alarm because, oh, excuse me. Yeah, And the, oh, excuse me, as you know, is the perfect ruse for, I'm pretty darn good at picking up your wallet, and I now currently have it in my possession. Have you seen a movie called Focus? Yes. With uh, Will Smith, 
And there is a scene in New Orleans where they're doing this. And it is an amazing... It's amazing. No, it's just a movie, I admit. But it's right. an amazing scene on uh, in, in, a, in the cinematography of how these con artists are scamming tourists in New Orleans out of their uh, $1,000 cameras or $1,000 lens. They even stole a lens off of a camera but didn't take the camera. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's a highly entertaining movie, but it's the, the point is that uh, those con artists, those scammers, they're out there, and they like to take advantage of tourists, especially in a busy square. Absolutely. So they're out there. And a couple of other quick tourist things to think about. You're traveling overseas. Uh, this is it, Some of this seems like such common sense, but it's very important. Make sure you write down all your emergency information because you'll love this. You're writing that down for yourself. Because if things go south, your immediate response is to panic. What should I do? I've just injured myself. I've just lost my money. You know, and there are some very dire things that could happen while you're traveling. You're going to be in a frame of mind. You're not going to be thinking clearly. So literally write everything down. Uh, here's something interesting. If you were in another country, how would you summon an ambulance? Obviously, I, I don't know. I few, have no idea. A few minutes of research even asking the hotel concierge, hey, how do I summon an ambulance if I'm out walking around in your fine country? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it differs from country to country. And that's uh, an easy question to ask the the front desk of the hotel right, before you, right before you walk out for your adventure that day. And these are some resources. What, what Adam just said is an absolute resource. Always conduct some research both on the internet and then also at your hotel. Why? The concierge there is not a guy designed to scam you. In fact, you're going to get better information from the hotel desk or the concierge desk than you would from a random person that just happens to walk up. But something as simple as knowing how to contact the police or an ambulance could be critically important. Write those down for yourself. If you can, and this makes great sense, if you write it down on a small card, you could actually have it laminated. So there's many places that have a business uh, center, uh, at, even at your hotel, where you may be able to have that laminated. Once again, now it's impervious to moisture. So if it's raining and you need to know how to summon an ambulance, you've got the information. Yep. Great. Uh, here's of interest, and this makes lots of sense. The U.S. State Department, which sounds so ominous, they have a great website for travel. Now, the one caveat is this. It's the State Department's job to warn you about everything that could go wrong, which is sometimes different from what is likely to go wrong. So if you have a favorite country you want to go to, you know, it's a pretty dire warning. I did check the website, uh, like as a, for an example, like even if you want to travel to Ireland, there's certain things that you want to bear in mind because the Irish politics system versus the rest of the United Kingdom, uh, there was an era back in the 70s and 80s where that was a real problem. So they did not particularly enjoy having foreigners come to visit Ireland. Now, a lot of that is eased up. Ireland, obviously, wants your tourism. They do speak English there. They take uh, American money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But this was something to bear in mind in the 70s and 80s. So if you do go to the State Department site, even if you're going to a country that you think, hey, it seems pretty benign. Uh, I know uh, here in the United States, oftentimes, uh, 
People thought Bermuda, Jamaica, islands like that. But there have been some heightened awarenesses of potential crime. And as you pointed out, there's some areas that sound downright dangerous, parts of Mexico. Certainly, it's just a matter of being aware. This is not to dissuade you from taking that trip of a lifetime to go visit Mexico. It just means go to Mexico with your eyes wide open. And I'm sure that State Department uh, resource talks about the travel alerts that are in certain parts of the world. Absolutely. Whether it's terrorism or political upheaval, there are travel alerts um, where, you know, if you've got the money and the resource to go travel that far on some sort of vacation or getaway, there are plenty of other places you can go. Absolutely. And that's what I would call an unnecessary risk. If you're going to go to a country that is under a travel alert, you know, go somewhere else. Let's play it safe. It's an unnecessary risk. Wait till they're uh, travel alert is knocked from DEFCON 4 down to DEFCON 0, or if I had those numbers backwards, the other way right. around. Well, you know from uh, raising daughters, uh, oftentimes there's school-oriented trips. A good friend of mine, his daughter had an opportunity to go to uh, Paraguay, and then the following year she had a chance to go to Cuba. He wanted her to go to Cuba because it's very interesting to visit you know, some of the travel restrictions have been lifted recently, but they did go to that State Department site and they were kind of briefed on, here's what you look out for. And I think it's, you know, just a kind of thing of at least being aware that uh, those dangers are out there. And you have that link. Uh, we can put that link on the website, we Definitely. We'll put that okay. link on there. Uh, you know, obviously, we could go on and on and on. You want to email your itinerary to friends and family. Adam, you, of course, know a lot about social media. You're probably best off. This doesn't have to do with your travel, but you're probably best off for your own homeland security by not posting on your website, the missus and I are going to Jamaica next week. We're going to be gone for an entire week. Why? Because here at home, someone who knows you may know where you live, may take advantage of you while you travel away. So you want to leave an itinerary emphasis on friends and family. You don't want to put that itinerary out for the world to see. For sure. And I'll uh, piggyback that comment with um, on a daily basis or, or through the entire year, go ahead and post um, some vacation pics every day not every day but through the year so that right. n- so no one can understand your um your schedule if, if someone if if someone that has access to your even if you have your private privacy settings high if a friend of a friend who has some shady friends can see your facebook page and they see that you are in an office 48 weeks of the year and the other 4 weeks of the year you're in uh, jamaica then it's not going to take that much math to figure out when they can hit your house correct? because you're out of town. So pepper in, when you're in a six-month stretch of, of your mundane life, going to the office every single day, throw in a picture. I do that all the time, and it confuses my family. They're like, were you in New York City? I'm like, no, that picture was from three years ago. Right. I just liked the picture, and I posted it. Had a and, great time in, uh, in Times Square. And your family lives down in Florida, so I'll yeah. oftentimes see random pictures of you on a beach, and I'll think, that lucky dog, and yeah. then it's like, no, he's at the office. Yeah, and you saw me at the office. So <laughs> yeah. I, I just throw some pictures out there to confuse people as to whether or not I'm really in town or not, so that when I am on a beach somewhere for a whole week and I post a picture, 
they're thinking, well, maybe I won't go rob his house today because he's probably not on that beach right now. Absolutely. It's common <laughs> sense safety. So that's something to think about. And then we'll close with this note, Adam. And I had to chuckle when I saw this. You want to make sure you select the proper attire, as you might imagine. Sometimes you wear certain clothing, it screams tourist, but we're still in certain cases, your clothing choices can actually offend the people in that country. Uh, we've certainly learned of late uh, that many Islamic countries have some very specific dress code guidelines, but even countries that you think, oh, hey, this is a crazy carefree country. Uh, the note that they had an example in here in Barcelona, Spain, you think, okay, it's illegal for a woman to remove her top. That kind of makes good sense. Believe it or not, a topless male in Barcelona could be cited just like the topless female because in Barcelona, you don't do that on a public street. You think seemingly innocuous behavior, but as a tourist, you want to be careful. And the other thing about touristy clothing, Adam, as you know, and I always wear touristy clothing to the office because I feel my coworkers have as much right to be offended as anyone. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but the one thing about extremely loud clothing, not only does it spell tourist, but once again, going back to our other point about people that will take advantage of tourists, this is really pointing out, hey, I'm a tourist. You do a little research, you can blend right in. My guess is, Adam, that shirt you're wearing right there would look just fine in Ottawa, Canada. You'd fit, <laughs> you'd fit in just like nobody. You know, my shirt would probably fit in better at a beach, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, you know, that's very interesting. So if you've got a bunch of T-shirts with your alma mater, your where you went to college, the logo, you know, when you're going across the, the ocean – Maybe it's better just to wear a gray T-shirt so it, you, you just look like some guy that lives there. Yeah, so blend in, be careful, and we will post that uh, State Department uh, website for you, which has some great information, including the Smart Traveler Enrollment Program, which helps keep you safe. Certainly great topics to think about as you travel this summer. For Jay Baker, I'm Adam Ritz. Thank you for listening, and you can check us out on Facebook at Adam Ritz Show and on Twitter at Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.